Breaking Bread with Jen. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yes, yes. Cool. So tell us a little bit about your culinary background. Um, basically, I started cooking when I was about eight or nine. Um, it was mostly out of uh, survival. So I have older brothers and a sister. And, you know, when you're the youngest one in the family, you have to rely on them to cook your food or cook mm -hmm. your snacks or whatever so eventually i just started asking questions like okay so like how do you make this grilled cheese sandwich or how do you make this hot dog how do you make pancakes how do you make french toast so those are the things i first learned how to cook wow okay so and then from that it was just um my friends would come over you know after school or whatever so i would cook myself something to eat and they were like hey cook me something too so i would cook for my mm. friends and then what kind of stuff would you cook for them oh it was basic stuff like a grilled cheese sandwich and homemade french fries or okay. uh, hot dogs and homemade chili or something like that okay and then uh when my cousins would come over same thing you know instead of waiting on my parents to get up and make us breakfast i would just get up and make us breakfast and oh wow you know, and you were how old member. doing this uh, about nine. Wow. About nine. Okay. About nine. I didn't have a fear of the, uh, well, we had an electric stove, so I didn't have a fear of the gas or uh -huh. the grease or anything like that. So. See, I grew up on gas, on, on gas stoves. Yeah. And how you cook on a gas stove is different than how you cook on an electric stove. True I story. think a gas <laughs> stove, to me, 
cooks better. It does. You okay. know, um, I've had a gas uh, stove all my life until I bought my current residence, which has the electric. It doesn't even have a gas line mm -hmm. to get a gas stove. And um, you do have to, like, tweak how you prepare food on a electric stove, a stove as opposed to a gas one. And with gas, you have better control of your heat. Okay. So, you know, with electric, you have to find where you're comfortable at. You know, mm -hmm. with gas, it's like, okay, you see the flame is hot. Yeah. It's easier to adjust. Yeah. Or with electric, you got to kind of play with it to see, you know, where you want to be at. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, look, tell me about when you decided to go to culinary school. I feel that here in the Detroit metropolitan area, I feel that our community colleges have some of the best culinary arts programs uh, that this region can offer. I, for one, because I live in that particular community, I, for one, um, support the Henry Ford Community College Culinary Arts Program. Um, during the holidays, they have bake sales and they have um, a restaurant uh, there where they train hospitality and serving and all of that. Um, so, But you went to Oakland Community College, right? Correct. Okay, tell me about how you decided to to an enroll that was something that you wanted to learn about and be actually degreed and certified in, and you chose Oakland. Tell me about that. Well, first, I started working in restaurants when I was about 16. I worked at, uh, like, Taco Bell and mm -hmm. Chi Chi's, and then... Oh, I used to love Chi Chi's. And then uh, a new restaurant opened in Southfield. By this time, my family moved to Southfield. Okay. And it was called America's Pizza Cafe, and it was a subsidiary of Little Caesars. Hmm, okay. So, um... That's some history. Yeah. I, I didn't know that they ever were called <laughs> anything but Little Caesars. Well, it was Caesars. always Little Caesars, but they decided, they wanted to have kind of like a California Pizza Kitchen. They actually got the idea from California Pizza wow, Kitchen. Wow, interesting. Okay. So, they had strong ties with Schoolcraft um, at the time, I didn't know I was making food classically or making things. Well, back then, everything was made in-house. Mm -hmm. They didn't, like, really outsource the dough or anything like that. So the managers there kind of got me interested, and um, I took a strong interest in it. But after that, I worked there for about two years. After that, I was on a trip with a couple of friends, taking them back to school, and I got into a car accident, and mm. I broke my left femur wait how old were you when that happened i was 20 i had just turned 21 it was august of 1992 what and you broke your left femur robert that's like your whole leg yeah i broke, you broke that, your uh, whole leg i broke i had a clean break in my left femur Ooh. and a fracture in my right femur oh that must have been a terrible car accident yeah it was a van we were in a van um, the person that was driving had lost control a little bit, and mm. we were coming around a really sharp curve. So the van that we were in was top-heavy, and it went airborne twice, flipped <gasps> head over front twice. What? So it, it was a it was a tragic accident. Um, we all walked away. Well, oh. kind of walked away. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we were mm -hmm. in uh, Paragou, Arkansas. And wow. so my rehab um, consisted of... The surgery I had first was a steel rod implanted in my leg. And at the time, it was relatively new. 
So it allowed me to get up and move quicker than a typical cast. Because if I would have went with the cast, it would have been a full cast on my left leg mm. and halfway down my right leg. Mm. So um, it took me about a year and a half to finally get up and walking around comfortably and build some strength back up. And a friend of mine that uh, I went to high school with at the time was working for Huntington Banks. And she knew of my accident. And she was like, well, hey, why don't you come work here? I know it's not, you know, up your alley or whatever, but why don't you apply here? So I applied there. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked there for about three years. Um, also worked a part-time job at UPS. And at that point, I decided I wanted to go back to school. I wanted to go to school. Okay. And at first, I wanted to go in for restaurant management. Mm-hmm. I was thinking since I was in banking, I might try that, but it wasn't where my heart was at. Right. So I, was, I decided, hey, let me go into restaurant management and after talking with the counselors they were telling me about how great the program was for culinary yes and one of the things about the chef program is that once you become a chef you can always become a manager okay a restaurant but once you're a manager it's hard to try to become a chef Mm, okay i decided to go into the culinary program and at that point i quit my job at huntington i quit my job at ups and I got a job at uh, Ground Round, which was a restaurant way back in the day. Yeah, I don't, I'm not familiar with that one. Okay. Um, it was kind of like a steak and nail. Hmm. Kind of like I used a to like steak and nail. So, because okay. um, they were telling me I need to get into immerse myself into the culture. Okay. And it was it was eye opening because I had restaurant experience and going to school, I learned about how much I didn't know about cooking. Mm-hmm. I went in kind of with a cocky attitude, like, you know, where are they going to teach me? Well, well, you know, Robert, that, that, that comes with your high self-esteem, yeah. Yeah. though. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so some of that came natural. Yeah, it did. It did. It did. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, so basically, I, I basically just drove into the whole culinary arts world. I Started reading books in my spare time. I would spend my Friday nights, my Saturdays wow. in bookstores. Um, I joined uh, a chef's club there through the Michigan Chefs Cuisine. And so you were actually between educating yourself and the education um, that you were receiving. Well, maybe you already knew, but you were learning um the official terminology, things like a moose bouche and things like that, where you may have thought, oh, here's just a little taste before (laughs) we get things going. But you were actually all along doing an amuse bouche. Correct. Tell the listeners what an amuse bouche is. Because that's one of the official things that I know about the culinary arts. I love saying it. Tell them what that is. It's like it's like a starter. Um it's not necessarily an appetizer. It could be something as simple as like a sorbet. Um, they break it down. Most people don't go out for a seven-course dinner. Mm-hmm. So they break it down into courses. And the moose bouche is kind of like just like the starter to try to get your palate ready for whatever you're about to eat. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole purpose of it. And that's what it is. Okay. Okay. Cool. So then you, what year did you graduate from Oakland Community College? Do you remember? Uh, I think I, I graduated in 98. That's when I graduated. 1998. Okay. Correct. Wow. Correct. And then I see that you, I mean, very impressive bio here. Um, 
at one point, am I seeing this correctly? You were at the Rattlesnake Club in Detroit. Correct. The Dearborn Inn, Correct. which is like five star cuisine there. Um, one of the things that I love on your bio, which I was just talking about this with some uh, friends, um, I see that you used to be one of the chefs at Hudson's. Correct. And for our international listeners, which we do have some, and for some of our listeners not in this region, Hudson's is now what people are familiar with is Macy's and the Macy's department store. And the Hudson's department store used to have a restaurant. Correct. Still do. They still do. The one at Oakland Mall. Yes. Yeah. They have, they, they had and have a restaurant. Um, they made at the time some of the best chocolate chip cookies, (laughs) but they actually had very nice um, entrees. And so you used to work there Correct. as one of the chefs. So Correct. that's really impressive. Um, and then I see that if I can get the name correct, um, is it Aramark? Correct. Aramark. Correct. One of the things that has always impressed me about Aramark is at the time, and I don't know if they still are the vendor for Cobo Hall, but it was Aramark that would put on the NAACP Freedom Fund Dinner. And the NAACP Freedom Fund Dinner here in Detroit um, is actually in the Guinness Book of World Records as being the largest sit-down dinner in the world. Well, I help with that dinner. Okay, tell me about that then. Okay, so Aramark is one of the largest contract food service management companies in the world. Okay. So they have seven seven different lines of business. Um, with Cobo Hall, it was in their, um, their arenas and sports venues division. I worked at in business services at Blue Cross Blue Shield. Part of my job was to go to other venues to either help open new accounts, um, travel the district around the state and basically they would just send me out to whoever needed a certain skill set I would say so with the NAACP dinner it was like you said it's the largest plated dinner okay well, it was one of the largest plated dinners mm-hmm. and chefs from all over the company would go in and help we okay. would like get a group of people, basically a group of cooks, and, like, my group would cook, like, the entree or the meat mm-hmm. or the protein for that meal. Um, another group would probably make the starch or the side or the veg. So then it's just like a puzzle. It just all comes together at one time. Wow. And then you have groups that plate. So, like, one group might finish plating, like, a couple of hundred plates. Then they go and help the next group plate a couple of hundred plates. Wow. So you move around until basically everything is all done. Mm-hmm. And then when you get Three quarters of the way done, they start to send the plates out. Oh, okay. They start to send the plates out because the integrity of the food, you'll start to lose it after so many. Okay. You know. So you guys are like humping. Those yeah. plates for that NAACP Freedom Fund dinner are not pre-made sitting in a warmer somewhere. You guys are actively Correct. plating Correct. and preparing. I never knew that. Well, most... Most high-end banquets do it that way. Okay. It's kind of like you want to get so far ahead to start so that the food is not sitting in the hot box. Because if that food sits there, it's, co- it's still cooking. Mm. The plates are already at about 
190 degrees, and then okay. the uh, warmer could be anywhere from like 200 to 220 degrees. Okay. So that food is still cooking. Okay. So like steak, for instance, I can make a medium rare steak, mm. which is pretty much standard. Mm -hmm. By the time it gets to you, it's medium. Mm -hmm. So right. you have to take that into consideration, the wow. time, how many people. So yeah, a lot of places... They start off, but they don't sit it there and then wait for all of them to get done and then ship them off. You can definitely tell when that's like, that type of thing happens. Okay. Because the quality of your food, it'll, you'll, yeah, you'll know. It'll yeah. start to glue together. Yeah, something <clears throat> maybe rubbery right, or... Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've had some, I think in my lifetime, I've probably had one or two not so good um, experiences <clears throat> with banquet style um dining like that um but for the most most part you know it doesn't bother me you know the standard chicken <laughs> dinner that uh you get when you go to those kind of events um so yeah so that's impressive that you used to work for Aramark um you know a lot of people may not be knowledgeable of that um company um, and what they all do for the culinary um, they do a lot. industry, but yes, they, <laughs> they do, do a lot. A lot. They and do a lot. you know, you 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 kind of cannot not be good to work for them. Well, that um, and most most chefs don't like to go into contract management because it typically doesn't pay as well as a freestanding restaurant. Okay. So for me, I decided to go work. It was. It was a goal of mine while I was in college. I researched them and said, hey, I would like to work for this company. I knew they had tons of advancement opportunities. Um, I knew I wanted, to, I wanted to work for a big company. I wanted to have, like, a human resource department. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have really good benefits for my kids and for my family. So I made the decision to, you know, seek them out so that I could have a better quality of life mm -hmm. versus working, you know, when I worked at the casino, it was anywhere from 50 to 70 to 80 hours in a week. Wow. So when you're doing that type of hours, it's kind of like, you know, you just go home, get a report about, you know, how's the kids doing? Yeah. Oh, okay. Then back off to work. Yeah. So as my kids started to get older, I wanted to be more involved right. as a as a father and a yes, parent. As a so father. That, yeah, Absolutely. I, wanted, I wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. So a lot of chefs don't, um, when they come to work for Airmark, it's a huge transition because now where you may have complete autonomy of who you order from or, what you want to do with Aramark is pretty much a standard. It's like a set standard, depending on the account that you're at. Mm -hmm. So you have to order by like their guidelines. It's great for having uh, standard operating procedures. It's good for getting a solid grasp of the business because you run your account like it's almost like it's your restaurant or your business. So a lot of chefs have a hard time with that transition. Okay. But it's really a, it's a great company. I liked working for them. Um, and so you retired. What year did you correct. retire? I retired in 2010. Okay. 2010. Okay. It's kind of funny because <laughs> the accident that I was in in 92 mm -hmm. was the cause of my retiring in 2010. Okay. I, I always knew that. No one retires as a chef, first off. <laughs> you usually transition into another position. 
My last position was a senior executive chef at the University of Toledo. Come on now. I so, like that. Senior executive chef my at job. the University of Toledo. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> we have done well, yeah, Robert. Yes, we have. We have yes, done we well. Yeah. Okay, you better drop that title. Okay, I love it. Tell me about that. Tell me about your last position in the workforce. So with that job... Um, I was responsible for seven different outlets or retail outlets. So we had some branded concepts along with like a KFC, a Pizza Hut. Um, and then we had my building, we had student dining, catering, and then we had four other residential dining halls. Nice. So I oversaw those operations. Wow. So I would go in, check with the other chefs there, uh, the other supervisors, and make sure that the quality of the food was up to par. If they had a problem with the food or a problem with ordering or something like that, I would assist them. Or if I saw a product like french fries, people think french fries is not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But when you're feeding about 2,000 people, french fries is a big deal. Okay. <laughs> right, right. It, it, it boils down to I found a case once for like $17 a case, and we were paying like $40 a case. So that kind of savings helps out our client it helps out the business and so we have to pass that information along throughout our district and throughout the other the other groups in our group so basically i was uh in charge of quality uh food costs safety um, i wore a lot of different hats my main focus was catering and kind of like the vip stuff so, like, if the president of the university had a function, I would oversee that function. Um, if the governor was going to be speaking there, I would oversee that function. I did that in Detroit and in Toledo. Wow, nice, nice. So, since your retirement, you have started your own catering company. Correct. And correct me if I'm wrong on the name. It's called Two Chefs? And a Stove. Two Chefs and a Stove. Correct. Okay. Two Chefs and a Stove Catering Company. Correct. So tell me about the birthing of that new baby into your life. <laughs> Two Chefs and a Stove. And it is a baby. <laughs> it is still a baby. Um, I started the company for um, me and a friend of mine. And he had moved. And we had catered together before. We worked together in many different venues. And... Because of our work schedules, we could never really get together. So as my son became older, I decided, well, why don't I train my son to be that second chef? And he started when he was eight. Mm. <laughs> he started when he was eight. And he took uh, a healthier interest than my daughters did. Mm -hmm. So he would stay in the kitchen with me. And so I said, well this will be my partner. I'll just bring him up in the business and at least he'll have that trade. I don't want him to go into the business, but he'll have that skill set if he ever decides to pursue it. Okay. So we've been doing it now for about five years. Okay. Um, the beauty of being retired is I can pick and choose when I want to work. <laughs> um, we might do anywhere from a good year. We may have 20 events. Wow. Okay. So in, it doesn't sound like a lot, but you figure it's 12 months in a year. And if we do two events a month, yes, yeah, it takes a lot. So, <laughs> it takes a lot when so you're doing everything full, yourself. For full disclosure, I have 
eaten some of your food uh, at your home. And this Mm -hmm. is what I want the listeners to understand, that even if Chef Robert is uh, doing something casual just for friends and family, the presentation and the layout (laughs) is over the top. Okay, just beautiful fruit spreads, um, just the presentation of everything. It's it's very professional. Um, not that you know you should throw things together for friends and family, but he really puts his heart and soul into everything that he makes for other people, even if it's just a casual set or get together at his own house. Um, so. Tell me what type of events you do, um, and I'm sure the range is from anywhere from a backyard barbecue to a bar mitzvah. So tell me what events you do, um, would be open to doing, that you haven't done. What What are some things that you have lined up for the future for Two Chefs and a Stove? Uh, currently on our books right now, we have a, we're, we're starting to get our Christmas business. So we do a lot of Christmas parties. Um, family Christmas parties, a couple of corporate Christmas parties. We do a lot of work with um, the city unions. Um, we nice. do a lot of work with uh, some of the elected officials. Mm. Um, we did the town halls for uh, Gretchen Whitmer and Garden Gilchrist. Did you? Yes, we did. Now, that is wonderful. Yes. I love that you guys got that opportunity. Yes. What did you make? Can you remember the menu that oh, yeah. you made? for? Well, so you did it after, did you do it while she was campaigning or you did it after she had already won? We did it while she was campaigning. So what they wonderful. wanted to do was have these town hall meetings and kind of feed the people that were coming in to the town hall. So they okay. wanted it really informal. So we did an assortment of wrapped sandwiches, um, homemade cookies, Homemade potato chips and I homemade think fr- potato chips. Correct. So and not better made, but two Correct. chefs and a stove Correct. made potato Correct. chips. Correct. Come on, you guys, yeah. this is amazing. <laughs> okay, what else? Um, we also we've done we do a lot of well, the most interesting one I can tell you that we did we did a birthday party for someone turning fifty. Mm-hmm. And what she wanted was like a cooking class for her closest friends. So she had about 10 friends over. Nice. And instead of just having a regular dinner, she wanted them to participate in making the dinner. Okay. So we went over the menu. We brought the stuff to her house. Um, She gave them all the cutting boards that they worked on while they Mm -hmm. were preparing everything. And I thought that was a really, really cool idea. So we kind of did like an informal cooking class and demonstration at the same time. So... When the people left, they were a little more knowledgeable about what they were eating and what it takes to make the food that they get at a restaurant. So you do, with two chefs in a stove, you do everything from intimate settings to... Corporate stuff. Corporate. corporate. Wow. Um, like you said, we'll, we do... Listen, family reunions, everything. Do, do you do private chef? Yes. Would you yeah. come into someone's yes. home? We've done that before also. Or uh, rented Airbnb for a couple and be their private chef for the evening? Yeah, we've done all of that. Wow. We do a lot of uh, like small groups or like like somebody's birthday or somebody yes. like if you have a date and someone might call and say, hey, I need... I want to do a, li- a nice dinner. Can yes. you come over and prepare that meal? So we've done that also. Okay, cool. So 
how would someone get in touch with you if they were interested in hiring you? What is the process to get in touch with two chefs in a stove? We do have a Facebook page. Um, it is under Detroit Flavor. Um, we started a cooking show, a web-based cooking show called Detroit Flavor. And Two Chefs in the Stove is like the host of the cooking show. So they can find us on Facebook under Detroit Flavor, or they can find us um, just through our phone number, contact numbers, 313-269-7429. So what's the phone number again? 313-269-7429. Okay, and so that's how they could get in touch with you um, for hiring you. Correct. And... About how much would it cost someone to maybe do something for a child's um, open house from high school or a wedding reception? Because those things are kind of popular. So here's the most interesting thing about my company. We don't have standard menus. We don't have a standard price list. We go solely on what you want and what your budget is. So if you say, hey, Robert, I got, you know, 20 people and I got a budget of $500. So what I do is I'll say, okay, well, we start off with your ideal dinner, your ideal situation. Mm -hmm. Then we go down from there. Okay. So we try to make it fit. So you may say, well, I just want chicken and spaghetti. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a common, really common, like, party food. So instead of spaghetti, we may do a pasta dish. Mm. So we might make like a pasta primavera. Mm. So instead of fried chicken, we might do like chicken marsala. Mm -hmm. So we, we're still giving you that pasta yes. and spaghetti, but we're just doing it differently. So you work with people and their budget. All the time. All the great, time. Great. We like to provide, I look at it as blue collar catering. Blue collar catering. Okay. Correct. So we try to fit whatever budget, whatever situation. If you want something really high end and we can do it really high end if mm -hmm. you want something uh like for just like an open house or something like that every function that we do people are amazed that we are a detroit-based company okay they simply are astonished you a detroit-based black-owned correct company. and that is important it, it is. very much so is and you know it's very important to me they always yes. ask uh we always get the question where are we from and who's the owner or where's the boss at or who's the chef or um, how can we get this for our function? Yes. <clears throat> so I usually tell them, like, you know, we're from Detroit. And they're like, like, where at in Detroit? Like, the city. Yeah. Not Metro Detroit. Exactly, we're, we're yes. from Detroit. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and then I tell them, you know, I'm the chef, and I'll usually point to my son, and he's the other chef. That and works how old with is us. he now? He just turned 16. Oh, bless his heart. So, bless his heart. Um, we, we get some pretty overwhelming responses. But okay. the most thing that I like for people to know is that something catered doesn't mean it's uh, far a far reach for you to have. Yes. Because we will work with any budget. We'll work with whatever situation. We'll work under pretty much any condition. <laughs> we just did a party uh, a couple weeks ago. It was a 70th birthday party. Mm -hmm. It was 100 degrees outside. Yeah. <laughs> And you guys were out there humping. 100 degrees. Making it happen. <laughs> I know. So, so that means that two chefs and a stove also presents with integrity. Correct. That the uh, ethics is um, important to you all. It is extremely important for me and for my company that 
we present a professional, always professional appearance. We don't eat with the client. We don't sit down and take smoke breaks. We come in uniform always. Um, we do the cleanup. We set everything up. If you hire us, you don't have to worry about anything else. Okay. Once we finalize the details and everything like that, everything is left up to us. And Wonderful. we take care of everything. Wonderful. So what's that contact number again? 313-269-7429. Okay. So that's how you can get in touch with Two Chefs in the Stove Catering Company, uh, Black-Owned Business, Chef Robert Carr, owned and operated right here from the heart of the D. Um, it's so, Chef brought me something to <laughs> eat. What's in this bag? I am going to throw down. Well, I know you're into eating somewhat healthy. Somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> somewhat, as we just talked about Chicken Shack before we started the, the episode. But so, what's in here? It looks like it's quinoa. Nope, we bought exactly. you. I bought you a pasta salad. And oh, I love pasta salad. Our pasta salad is one of our signature dishes. We don't make a typical pasta salad. Okay. So it's enough. And the way we make our pasta salads is we take a hot pasta concept and apply it to like a cold dish. Okay. Only thing that's different is like we never use like a typical Italian dressing for our pasta salads. We either make the dressing or we'll use like a some type of way out different flavor wow, dressing. So something, everything is like homemade. <laughs> wow. I love it. I'm going to enjoy eating that. Um, I feel like uh, I'm going to get a good movie <laughs> and, and enjoy that. Just really enjoy that. But again, to get in touch with uh, Chef Robert Carr of Two Chefs in a Stove, the number is 313-269-7429. Four two nine, okay. Um, so as we close out, I always like to ask my guests of breaking bread with Jen what their favorite entree is. <laughs> so it's no better of a time than this to ask you, as you yourself are a chef and probably have a palate that is out of this world. <laughs> but if you could narrow it down to one thing, what is your favorite entree? Believe it or not, I get asked this question whenever I put on my chef coat, almost. <laughs> and um, I eat very simple, mm -hmm. like overwhelmingly simple. <laughs> so my favorite thing to eat is basically if I can get like a really good grilled cheese sandwich mm. with not with any fancy cheese, just wheat bread, yes. Velveeta cheese, yes. <laughs> and yes. I use butter and yes. a bag of uh, chips or some french fries or something like that. That is my favorite meal. Yes. Other than that, it is just a plain hot dog with ketchup. Wow. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, my favorite meal to prepare, mm -hmm. I really like Italian cuisine. That's Oh, that's your favorite? That's my favorite. Italian? Correct. Okay. okay. My favorite Italian dish is veal. So I love veal parmesan. Yeah. Yes. I like yes. veal scallopini, but it's Similar. almost the same thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, I want to thank everyone for listening in today on Breaking Bread with Jen. We have um, 
new shindig uh, environment. It's Podcast Detroit. I want to thank them for opening up their studio space to us today. And I think that we're going to um, have a good partnership with them um, for our podcast. And um, I'm really excited about what the future holds. And I am elated that Chef Robert Carr of Two Chefs in a Stove joined us today. So remember always to tune in once a month to hear the newest episode that will be dropping soon from month to month and grow with us as we expand. And remember Acts 2035, it is better to give than to receive. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.